Kia ora and welcome to the Touch Project Podcast. My name is Pat. Good to have you back with us for another episode. Uh, this one, probably the last one for 2020, actually. Um, which kind of feels buzzy, actually. I was, I was sort of wading through some of the stats and having a look at sort of how the years uh, panned out and, and uh, I guess what we've been able to achieve in such a small amount of time. And so just before we get into the latest episode and the last episode of the year, I just want to uh, do a big thank you. Thank you to everybody who supported this uh, little project, the podcast, and um, getting amongst it, whether it's listening, contributing, whether you've appeared as a guest, whether you're uh, appearing as a guest in the future, if you flick me a message, if you've downloaded, you've streamed, you left the review, however you've played a part uh, in the story thus far and contributed to the overwhelming, uh, unexpected, to be fair, success uh, of the Touch Project, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for creating... Um, with me and, and supporting uh, this weird idea I had of of uh, taking touch from the field and, and from social media and actually uh, creating a platform to share stories. And that's all this will ever be. Uh, it's not about uh, becoming anything more than uh, a platform to share stories. And that's what I hope to continue doing and, and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. So yeah, uh, thanks to you for, for listening and sharing and getting amongst it. It's been really, really fun. And to think we only started this in March. Uh, feels like forever, and uh, there's still plenty of mahi to do, plenty of work to do, and 2021 is looking really exciting. So, yeah, that's 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 the thank you out of the way. Let's get into the latest uh, and the probably the last, like I said, episode of 220. Uh, this one with uh, Grant Robinson. Um, yeah, sat down, chopped it up over a few hours. Actually, ended up having some some food afterwards. It was a really good chat, actually, and and, and quite a cool little insight into the the back office, into understanding how the admin side of things goes uh, from a management perspective. Because you know, seldom do we actually uh, ever really reflect on um, the back office or the back end, and 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 wondering how the decisions are made and and the the, the kinks are ironed out. We all get frustrated when things don't go right. Um, you know, when everything's going wrong, we often think of the the back office, but but seldom do we actually appreciate the amount of work and energy and resource that goes into keeping our sport alive from an administration point of view. And so it was really cool actually to have uh, Grant on the phone to to shed uh, just a little light on that. Uh, Grant Robinson, of course, uh, is the new sport operations manager, a role that he's had with Touch New Zealand for a little bit now. I don't know if it's been a few months, but certainly a very recent. Um, appointment prior to TNZ. He worked down at Touch Canterbury, one of the bigger provinces in the country, and was the general manager there for a few years. So the bro's been in the back office and understands the uh, the, the the cogs or whatever that, that continue to rotate to keep the sport alive in New Zealand. Prior to uh, work from an admin point of view, um, you know, Grant also represented New Zealand uh, on the field. He's been fairly successful, actually, when he does that, bringing home gold, uh, the most recent uh, World Cup. And KL and uh, and played opens level as well. Prior to that, in the mixed grade, he's he's got a bit of a story actually. We touch on a lot of that in this podcast. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag this one. Uh, dig a little deeper, flesh some things out, have some fun, ask him some tough questions, and it's actually quite interesting because you can almost hear him squirming in his seat uh, in a few of these yarns. But um, yeah, like I said, I enjoyed it. Hopefully, you guys do as well. Um, yeah, Grant Robertson, same name as Deputy Prime Minister, just. Less funding and a far less attractive boss. Enjoy this one. I really enjoyed having it. And thanks to our friends at Recover Pro for helping us bring uh, the Touch Project podcast to you. I uh, get 40%, uh, 40% off in their Christmas sale right now. Recoverpro.co.nz. Go check it out. Grant Robertson on the podcast. Enjoy. Grant Robertson, Minister of Finance. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? You well? Very good. Thank you. Yeah. How was, um, how was your first tournament? As a part of the TNZ crew, because normally you'd be at a tournament on behalf of 
Touch Canterbury or something, right? So was this your first first go at it? Yeah, first uh, official capacity for Touch NZ and in, in, uh, for secondary school nationals mm. in Rotorua. So yeah. yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, I actually, funnily enough, have not um, been to ne- New Zealand secondary schools. Really, ever? No, never. Oh. Um, Is there not? Well, I guess it's not really a provincial thing, right? So it didn't really come under your umbrella with the Canterbury lot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so no, and and didn't play in my uh, little upbringing. Yeah. Back in those days, so um, yeah, it was first capacity of secondary schools. I like it. It was awesome. Cool. Really good environment. Well, looking forward to having a chat, bro, and welcome to the podcast. Keen to chop it up with you, just about, I guess, your your time and touch. For those that aren't aware, Grant Robinson, um, you're more. Oh no, you're not. I, I guess we'll touch on it, but you cross over, right? Because you're you're involved on field as well, and then now you're in the back office, so you can kind of both sides of the coin. I'm be interested to get your perspective on a whole heap of. Um, of what's happening behind the curtain as well as what we see on the field. Um, recently, you uh, took up a gig, Sport Operations Manager, I think the Flash title is, or SOM. That's, yeah, that, that's what's on the business card. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. What's up with the letters instead of names on your guys' email addresses? Yeah, that was new to me as well. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, um, just checking. Yeah. Funny, oh. though, actually, in, in Canterbury, we actually had a split, so... Um, some people were yeah. were by names. Were you Grant or were you GM down there? I was Grant. Okay. At Touch Canterbury. Yeah. Um, but then the one that that takes on probably ninety percent of the email is admin. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone a, knows that as Everyone's so. got an admin or an info <laughs> or a hello or something like generic, right? But I was, you know, what it was curious to me because we did a um, part of our resilience training actually uh, with my with my work was that we made sort of a. Uh, but there's a bit of an unspoken rule in some organisations is that the first the first thing you do is you give someone their identity, right? And that's their name. Yeah. Because in an email, it's very simple. You can have your name and then you can set up a, you reroute it or whatever. But the first thing you should always do is be able to say, this is my name. And it speaks to your sort of position in the in the whole sort of village, so to speak. And I always was curious, like, um, I always crack up when I'd have to email money and I'd be like, oh, there's... The same amount of letters in your name as your email address. I didn't really understand why. What is Riso? Like yeah. it just always sort of it buzzed me out. I was too curious as to whether there was any logic behind that. Yeah, no, no. I just uh, I guess a, a direction they're moving towards. And, yeah. Uh, but the the old campaigners like George and that I think get to retain oh, yeah. theirs. So maybe it's the, the fifteen years and then you get your name. <laughs> Long service. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Um, okay, sweet. Well, that was awkward. Uh, let's uh, let's have a chat. I'm I'm I'm. Yeah, like I said, keen to, to have a look at both sides of the coin, both behind behind the scenes, sort of your involvement from an admin kind of strategy point of view um, and get your facade or your thoughts on your time down at Touch Canterbury because you were there for a little bit. And then I guess maybe just touch on some of the things that you're hoping to to kind of, um, I guess, look at as you start navigating the space with your new mahi uh, and the sport operations. But on the whole other side of things too is you're not bad playing footy as well, yeah? You've had a few highlights in your time. Yeah, managed to be lucky enough to to pick up a few highlights here mm. and there. So, um, yeah, at, at, at the moment, it's it's nice to be able to um, balance both sides yeah. of the coin, as you say. Yeah, um, I'm sure one day it'll it'll tie to flip only on one side of the coin, <laughs> but at the moment, it's yeah. still there. So, lucky enough to be able to do both. All right, tell us, take us way back. Where was Grant born? 
Uh, so I was born in a little town called Alexandra in mm. central Otago, down okay. in South Island. Cool. Like maximum. What's the people count there? Yeah, I think when I when I started there, it was just over maybe three thousand population. Wow. Um, everyone might, knows everyone. Might be up to, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, might be booming up at about five thousand now. Yeah. So many years later, but great little spot, great little town. Yeah. Um, surrounded by mountains, close to to mm. Wanaka and Queenstown. So, what's the main sort of trade there? Like, I grew up in Tokoro, so it was the mill, right? You know, the pulp and paper. That was the the timber mill. What yep. was the main sort of employer at your where you're from? Uh, lots of orchards, so heaps of people come down fruit picking yeah. um, through the summertime. Um, turning a little bit to people turning their hand to the wineries and things now a little yeah. bit later on, but yeah, fruit picking was the the go to and the the summertime jobs to to yeah. earn a little bit of money and things. Big family. Well, what's the go there? Uh, no, so just um, my parents who still live down there. Yeah. Um, so they're still based down there and have an older brother, four years older than me. Nice. Good childhood? Like what was the, just describe your childhood growing up in a small town like that. Um, childhood, real safe. Um, yeah. You could go out, you were basically out and about all the time. So school finished, drop in, grab a feed yeah, and then take off and you're at sport, you're yeah. out with your mates um, and Till you get hungry, mm. couldn't really say till you get dark at night because um it's not dark in the summertime till about ten ten thirty at night, wow. so it's a little late. But is it touristy? Like a bit of tourism go through there or what? Yeah, a little bit go mainly on the way through to, to Queenstown and Wanaka. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of tourists and people around in the summertime. Yeah. Um, it's it's in a basin, so it's hot, hot. You know, thirty to thirty five degrees. Yeah, summertime and then the. Almost the reverse in winter time when the yeah. cold settles in and the snow around all the mountains. Do you have childhood friends now that you grew up with when you were when you were living back home or? Uh no, not probably one or two yeah. that I still stay connected to. But yeah, yeah not not a lot. Because you're not too old, eh? No, of yeah. course not. Are you, you you cracked half a century yet or no? Nah? No. Is that a rude question? Of course. Just you look very young. That's I want to say your early forties. You'd be right around like that time. Cool. Just yeah. checking. And of course, you you have a lovely family of your own, correct? Yeah, I do. Yep. Um, so, yeah, beautiful wife uh, that I met at university. Yeah. Um, what did you study at uni? Uh, so I was at Otago University, um, studied Bachelor of Physical Education. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what was the goal there to do with that? Was it be a PE teacher or what? Uh, no, that was probably the one thing I definitely didn't want to be. Yeah, hate um, kids, you're but, not a fan. But everything, uh, no, just just had different different ideas of what I wanted to do. Yeah, um, and probably more so because everyone said, "Oh, you go to PE school, you're going to be a teacher." Yeah, so I was like, uh, well, "What nah. I just did then?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, um, I played lots of sports and stuff growing up. That always had me had me triggered. So, I was getting to the end of high school, and I was like. I'm not sure what to do, and then I looked there and saw, oh, there's a physical education there. It's got a few different areas. Mm. I'm like, I'm going to hit that, and and yep. away we went. And what what was the? Because we've had this chat before, and you were a bit of a late bloomer when it comes to touch footy, yeah. So what was the code of preference for you growing up? Um, code traditional code all the way growing up was rugby. Yeah, dad was dad was pretty full on with the rugby and coached a lot of my teams and things. Um, and then. Got into, played a whole range of different ones, but probably the big ones was rugby and then basketball. Mm. Um, cricket in the summer was Did my big one. you get pretty one. good? 
Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. So making sort of regional age groups um, in those sports. Mm. And then, yeah, just as you get older and and older, you have to sort of things cross over a bit and start to to pick and choose. But yeah, lots of opportunities to play, you know, in a small town. You play everything. Your high school's not too big, so you're in everything. What's the one thing about that you remember from growing up playing sport when you were a kid back, back home to sport? As you see it now in an executive level, you know, like what what would be the one sort of reoccurring theme that you think has stuck around and, and stood the test of time? Oh, that's a good question. I try. <laughs> um, to be honest, I'd have to say it's just the enjoyment factor that you see. So when you're young, it's all about just being with your mates. I think I don't mm. know if you know it at that time, but that's that's the real gut feel that I have around that. Yeah, and so now that's probably where it transitions to me. Like every sport that I'm at, or whether it's me playing in it or whatever, there's mm. I look and that what I'm looking at is is that fun and enjoyment factor going on around there. And it's it's sort of like DNA, right? Because you it it sticks in you, and you don't realize it until like ages and ages later. Like kids now. That I talk to, well, when I say kids, I mean like they're in their twenties, early twenties. They will still talk about IPS memories that that sit in their brain and they, and they've held on to this entire time. Didn't realize it at the time. Probably didn't understand what was going on. But now they've got this like legacy factor of having gone through that positive period, and it's sort of stuck in there, right? Yep. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure whether they. I mean, they're just living in the moment at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is a bit of reflection around that. But, mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, when I was younger, my probably focus was the competition. Yeah. Like, I was pretty driven to compete and compete yeah. anything. Like, you you come up with some game, I want to beat you at it. Yeah. Um, that was, was that, me. Was your old man quite competitive? Was the, Is that where you where that derived from? Um, yeah, I think so. He's pretty similar um, from when I get the stories from him about his pathways of growing up and yeah. and playing we rugby, we played pretty much exactly the same position going through. Um, but he stepped away as I got to sort of higher honours, stepped mm. out of the coaching things. He was quite weary of of uh, you know not wanting to be in and around that and that that sort of almost you know tarnishing because you're the son's coach yeah. and so on. And uh, but no, pretty pretty competitive. But yeah. the old lady liked to be. Um, to have a bit of noise on the sideline as well, so yeah. it could have come from that one as well. Yeah, needed a bit of you back in the day, eh? Yeah, could have yeah. done with a little bit of that, but yeah. but that's all good. Are you, do you see similar attributes in your style when you, your kids play now? Like, are your kids at a level where you're finding yourself being that grouchy old old dad on the sideline yet? No, I've I've I'm totally flipped. I'm uh, the passive sit back oh. and and actually watch the whole thing. So yeah. I've got this weekend. Coming up, actually, my daughter's in the, the Tiwai Panamu yep. Junior Tournament in Christchurch, uh, yep. under 12, so I'm really looking forward to that, to just sit back and watch and, and see her grow in, in confidence yep. compared to what she has been the year before. Yeah, Take your touch New Zealand hat off just for a second now and answer this question for me. The, the junior policy, uh, as you, you've, you're a dad, you've got a daughter who's playing, obviously that's, I don't, know, I don't care how we spin it, that's rep footy. What what is your thoughts on on the junior policy and how we will we will either make that work or we've we've fumbled? But what are your thoughts? Oh, good question. Kind of uh, silent. It's all right here. You're not going to get in trouble for this answer. I promise. <laughs> I 
Um, no, yeah, look, in, in my opinion, I think it is the right, we are going to the right direction. Yeah. I think there's a lot of parental pressure. Um, I don't think we've really had the voice of the participant specifically. Mm. Um, and this is, you know, as my opinion of it, but I think we are trending in the right way. I think there's been a, a long-held traditions that just yeah. need to change and that change is... Is not you know we're getting all the the insights from the from the kids and things involved now and those mm. that have been there and it is actually a lot around that parent and that external viewpoints of what must happen yeah and that's that's the break we've got to do and that's only going to improve our sport yeah and other sports as well at the same time you know you know when you're in the school when you're in school and they say oh the teacher's attention turns to the one bad kid and neglects the rest were the stats so compelling that it was more overtly negative as opposed to an even split or there were just a few bad apples in the bunch was it so bad that we needed to drastically change the whole framework do you think I think across the board we were you know in all the sports once everybody started to look at it and the research from you know worldwide not just ours was yeah it was pretty pretty um, detrimental to continue on the way that it was going Mm, mm. we'll see what happens interesting I'm some of the cool little concepts like the TWP thing and the TTC one up here and there's some cool little, um, like the, the, the programme that TNZ rolled out, the um, extender series I was quite a fan of, like the, the whole concept of building a bit of tanga into that whole um, process was pretty cool. So yep. we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, and yeah. I think the big part on that is is how the regions can be supported to to mm. grow that within their areas and get the opportunity to you know expand on that in their own unique ways mm. right throughout the whole country. What was your first touch memory? How old were you first? Because you said you were quite a late bloomer, right? Yeah, I think um, my first memory was probably around, I think it was around 12 or 13. Yep. So little, growing up in the little town, dad, um, towards the end of his kind of career, him and his mates turned to playing a little bit of the real social touch, just a run around on a night to keep fit, and then. Did they have a module in Alexander? No, no, there was no module at then. So um, that was pretty much just the guys keeping fit through yep. um, going and playing around on the on the field, throwing the ball, the ball around for yeah. a little bit, and then and then popping over to the club rooms and having a beer. Um, which normally lasted longer than what the game did on the <laughs> on the field, but it hasn't changed. No, 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 no. So yeah, pretty much just running around with dads and his mates. Um, yeah. And as you get um, grow and develop a little bit into it, and you're a little bit quicker than them, and a, perhaps a little bit more um, skill set, being a little bit better, you mm. get uh, pushed out of there or aren't allowed on the field too much. But yeah, yeah, that was the first first thing. Just really, really social, you know. Yeah. Um, drink bottles in the corners to mark out the fields yeah. and get a ball and away you go. And if you ran too fast, the the old fellas would, would peg you back and mm. give you a little nudge and say, calm down, young fella. When was your first, I guess, uh, when did you become aware that touch was a, was a proper sort of sport and there were opportunities uh, within the sport? When did you go, oh, actually, I'm, I'm pretty keen to give that a nudge? Yeah, that was uh, when I moved to... Christchurch, so travelled overseas um, with my wife or partner at the time. Mm. We actually played in a um, in a couple of modules in London while I was over there, um, and sort of had a bit of a blast over there, a bit of fun, and yeah. could show a little bit of um, 
school set and stuff there. Thought that was pretty cool. And then when we came back and we settled in Christchurch, um, I was just kind of looking around to find where this where this game was played and tried a few places. And it's not like you can just yeah. kind of just sign up as, as an individual and, and so jump in. So what year was this? Uh, that would have been 2003, okay. I think it was. Yep. Um, and, yeah, managed to find, um, bump into a few people that were pretty welcoming. Yeah. Um, a couple of guys, Stephen Toki, um, Tristan Munner, um, and a few of the few of the other guys um, from the east side Christchurch. And they said, man, just jump in. Let's, mm. you know, we've got a team, have a run. Um, and that was it. That kind of just yeah um, blew up from there. Or from there. So, how old are you at this point? Uh, at that point, I think two thousand three. So it'd be about twenty five. So you were really quite a, you know, it's pretty late in the game. Mind the pun. Uh, yeah, yeah. For you, um, and was it instantly a love? Like you found your groove in terms of like how good you were or weren't or you know sort of whipped you into shape I'm sure Tristan and the boys helped out with that process yeah I you're probably right words there I pretty much did fall fall in love with that yeah um you know just the fast pace speed the agility and probably the strategy parts around it which was what was the great learnings from those guys you know yeah. when you start off it's kind of just like this is fun and you just all guns blazing and mm. then you're like oh there's a bit of strategy here and yeah. why do these guys who don't look quite as skillful can actually just carve you up yeah so yeah those sort of learnings as you go along you adapt pretty quickly in yeah. the environment you're in i've heard the word uh, finesse used a few times on these podcasts i've had you know there's a there's a certain sort of touch iq about it and, and unless you understand the game you don't really know how to move and you can be you know, as slim as a matchstick, or you can be a big, a big lad. But if you understand the dynamics of the game of touch, right, you're actually you're amazing. Yep, yeah, that's exactly right, and that's probably part of the you know the falling in love for it was yeah. seeing that everybody has the ability to to create quite an influence on the game. Mm. Um, as you said, regardless of body shape and size and stuff, it's that that kind of top two inches that yeah. allows you to to become pretty dominant. What was your uh, what was your offering? What do you think that you brought to the game at that point? I guess you're still in your infancy stage of figuring out, you know, where you sort of are in the picking order. But what did you? Were you fast? Were you agile? What was the, what was the perk for for having G in the team? Um, yeah, I had a bit of speed. Had a bit of speed about me. Um, obviously, fairly long limbed. So um, when I got the chance to sort of get in and around that line, I was definitely trying to dive and. Mm. And uh, that took a bit of getting used to and figuring out how to dive properly, which um, still learning some of those parts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was probably the speed part um, quickly kind of got shut down that you don't try and scoop from halfway or, or mm. just over to the 10 metre line and go unless there's clear lines or it's right at the end of the game. Um, so got pegged back around that. Yeah. Um, but that was that was probably my go-to and then refined that once I really started to learn the game and look at look at what my uh, best skill sets were and what I was doing in the game. How far into this was it until you realised, oh, you know, there's a rip footy pathway available? Uh, were you shoulder tapped from some coaches or was it one of the boys that said, bro, you're actually not too bad, you could probably give this a good go? Um, yeah, it was the same guys that encouraged me to to get to the, the trials for Canterbury. Mm. Um, and that took, that took a couple of years, actually, um, to break into that. First year, I was sort of brimming with a bit of confidence and um, 
went down to trials and things and saw, and it was a little kind of a little bit cutthroat and, yeah. and got chopped out of that one early on. I was <laughs> like, oh, hang on, that was took, yeah. took a shot to the yeah. to the uh, to the confidence, um, and then went back. Um, you know, really kind of cr- tried to craft my game a little bit. The second year, I went through to the final, to the last group, and then and then just missed the cut on that one. Um, and then, yeah, I think the third year managed to manage to crack it um, with. So I was in the Canterbury Open Mixed wow. crew, yeah, and uh, that was with yeah a couple of other boys and and um, met a few other pretty awesome people through that time, and and mm. that was where. I stayed. I became a, a mixed, I guess, proponent. Yeah. Um, you enjoy the, the mixed game. I mean, you would have dabbled in the in the men's trial process anyway, right? Or did um, you naturally gravitate toward mixed? I gravitated to that probably because of the the other guys that were around me. Yeah. Um, Attracted to the to the the culture of, of the crew you were around, right? Yeah. 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 And that was what that was the big part for me was that in the environment and and the culture that was um, built from the the guys on the, the east side, um, which yeah. I was very grateful to be a part of and learnt um, being a, a very um, Pakeha guy from a, a little old, um, pretty much white town in Hold the phone. Island. You are a Pakeha from down south? Correct. <laughs> it's over. Podcast is finished. I, I wasn't aware. Wasn't aware, but no, that's cool though. That the culture, I guess that's 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 monarchy, right? That that's what attracted you to that is is that village mentality, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that's probably why, yep, within those that first couple of years, I probably did look at that men's um, through the trial process mm. and see, and and no, I was just I was yeah. just really wrapped with that and became mixed, and and probably the key, and quite a few people, I guess, do ask, you know, why the mixed game, and I think it's that. Um, that strategy comes into it a little bit more mm. in depth um, with how you can create the game, but the the off field too, um, the culture and the environment around mm. that has been something pretty close to my heart for yeah. the whole time that I always talk around. Mark Watson said the same thing, eh, about the, the the culture of that sort of the mixed sort of sort of village he's found himself in over the last little bit, and 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 many swears by it. You know, there's just a really cool. I guess mentality behind being a, a mixed touch black or being in that in that mixed. Some people look at it as a as a bit of a, a stepping stone into the men. Some people look at it as a downgrade. Some people look at it as oh yeah, it's a half pot opportunity. But there's some people that are really passionate about playing uh, mixed footy. I know like the bro Harley, his whole family are basically like this mixed DNA in them being from the playing for the Bay back in the mm. day. And you know there's like a real uh, a, a real passion for servicing that mixed grade. And, and I know Hicks is really passionate about it too. So you know it's it's always. Um, I'm always curious as to as to those who are committed to that grade because for the right reasons, and that's not speaking derogatory about people who trial for opens, men's or women's, and then end up playing mix. I'm just it's it's always fascinating to me to find people that are unapologetically proud to play mixed. Yeah, um, and I think you know perhaps there was in those early days understanding um, in the environment I was going into in, in Canterbury. That there was a little bit of that idea that you know yeah men's and the women's were the premier programs mm. and then you'd go to that mixed and I was like I don't don't like that idea very yeah. much so yeah. that probably drove me to you know try and craft things with that yeah. group and Lift those people and, and then find the people around us which 
you know, I guess did eventuate into into something pretty special at mm. one stage um, through that time with Canterbury Mixed. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was kind of like, the, yeah, we actually could do that if people committed and, and yeah. you know, really built, bought into that. Mm. That was the thing. Tell me about your first campaign as a, as a Canterbury Open Mix player as part of that team. What was the tournament? Uh, was 2007, I think, North Harbour. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, pretty... Pretty interesting, a little bit daunting, even being you know the a little bit older in that mm. environment as well. It was pretty new and still all user pays back then. Like, what's the go there? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, which was the other interesting part, you know, when <laughs> yeah. you, the youth sports are right when you don't realise because mum and dad's kind of paying mm. you, you, just go and show up and everything, and then when you're flying up to the North Shore, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you go in there and it's like this cost. You're like, oh okay, That'll, that's all right. We'll, we'll live with that. Um, and uh, yeah, so North Shore over at Harbour Stadium. Yeah. Um, interesting one, because I think game two, so day one, day, yeah, it was day one, second game, third game, um, and I'm playing, defending on the line, go to dive and stop a, stop a quickie and the, the boot of the attacker comes up <coughs> and hits me in the throat. Oh, And dear. kind of got a bit of a, a knock in the head, and I'm lying there, and next minute, they're like, oh, don't move, don't move. I'm like, oh, okay, so I'll lie there and then sprig in the throat, sprig in the throat, and it had actually, um, it was a moulded stud, but it had ripped. Did it penetrate the ripped skin? Open, penetrated the skin, so it ripped open a flap of skin. And uh, Greg Knight, who's the TNZ referees physio, was our physio at the time, and uh, he didn't say anything to me at the time. But after we'd gone to A and E and got it stitched up, oh and no shit, you get the came back. Wow, yeah, yeah, right up there. He goes, do you know? <laughs> when I was lying over top of you, I could see your carotid artery pulsing. Oh, good lord! He's like, if that had been a few more millimeters, he said we wouldn't have been able to get you to there. So, yeah, but so first the last campaign, then retired. That was after that, that was kind of well. The most gutting thing was that they're like, you can't play the next day, and uh, and um, so I was like, man, yeah, this sucks. How did the lads, the lads and ladies do for the remainder of that tournament? Do you remember? Um. Can't remember exactly. It didn't do great. We, yeah. we it took a few years. Took a took a couple of years. Was it a really new team or had Canterbury had open mix before? Um, no, they'd had they'd always had um, it through there. Mm. Um, a few of the few of the key ones, but again, it was the strength through that time. The open women's and men's for Canterbury yeah. was strong through the, mm. all of that time. So it was always chopping and changing a little bit mm. um, in those in those first couple of years that I was in there. Have you played all of your rep footy for Canterbury? Yes, I have. Yep. Yep. You never know with these province hoppers. Everyone, uh, everyone jumps ship whenever whenever they feel like it these days. You guys need to sort that out. But that's another conversation for another time, I'm sure. Um, when was your first uh, opportunity to, to play for New Zealand? Uh, so I got selected Nationals 2009. Nationals was that when they still had the after party and you find out at the after party or they if they axed uh, that by then? No, it was at the, the prize giving. So everyone was True. sitting around on the fields, prize giving at the fields, and, and they, announced, they, the they, they announced them, announced them. Yeah, and I was like, I was sitting back just waiting for it to kind of be over. Yeah, and um, then I think at that time, I think two thousand nine, we might have actually come last, mm. and, and so we're sitting there. Whatever, and then 
myself, I think Mercedes Burnside, uh, Picky Harris, and I think Josh Leota for Canterbury. So four of us named from that into the squad. Wow. Um, and are you expecting to hear your name at this point? Or no, I'm just no. waiting for it all to be over so we can go home. and uh, get some you know, have a, have a, a little a little uh, fluid break and, yeah. and enjoy the evening. And so it was all a little bit um. A little bit amazing to, to yeah. get that call and, and only having been, you know, done two nationals at that Boom. stage and um, obviously did enough to, to be looked at and things. Yeah. Um, so it was in there. I think that team went, I think 2009, they might have gone trans Tasman overseas over to Aussie. Mm. Um, and so 2010, uh, trans Tasman in Auckland was the first time I got to... Yeah, Not to don the jersey. Where's that? Is that uh, Waitakere? Oh, Waitra- yeah, okay. Trusting. So you are uh, twenty ten. Your first opportunity to play open mixed. Yep. Who's your coach at this point? Uh, Tony Langers. So Langers is the coach. Yep. Uh, what's your mentality? Is someone is someone giving you advice at this point? Are you uh, are you talking to close friends about this opportunity? Uh, or what's 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 in your head? Um. Yeah, more more from the touch side. Mm. Um, I guess my background and studies and and things um, allow my new physically. I was prepared. Like fitness yeah. is probably one of my go tos um, in terms of being able to focus in that area, yeah. tick that box. Mentality, having played a lot of different sport and being you know in representative stuff, Pretty gave me a good setting around yeah. there. It was more worries about have I got the goods to. To yeah. play at this at this level with the skill set. So who's who's your who's your person at this point? Are you still talking to Trust? Are you still talking to yeah these yeah. people? Tokes and Tokes and Tristan were yeah. were uh, big parts of that, and also um, Rooster, who was our open mix coach for Canterbury, mm. um, was a good good insights um, from him. Just uh, he's a pretty kind of crack up guy, so he's always one to get a good laugh, and yeah. if you're feeling a little stressed around that. And you're and you're a little bit older at this point too, yeah. Like you're not, you know, you're not a nineteen, twenty year old, you know, touch black. Like you've got a few, a few years the next under, decade under your belt, you know. So, time. I guess the, the the idea of handling pressure mightn't have been so foreign to you than it would have for some of the young cats. Yeah, I guess so. A little, little bit more of sort of life experience and yeah. things, and then yeah. probably just a little questioning of going, man, why, you know, with these other young ones in there, yeah. What's what's the thing with me being thirty? Yeah, I think I'd turned thirty then. So mm. you know, mm. looking at being oh, I'm eligible masters as well. Yeah. Um, but here I am, first time in in touch blacks open mix representing my country. So did the coach did did Langers or did any of them ever give you any specific reasoning as to why uh, you got the call up? Was there feedback around your selection? Um, yeah, there's always feedback. Um, Given which which was really important from my perspective, yeah, kind of growing into the touch. So the the attribute, the other attributes, fitness, um, you know, strength wise, um, and and maybe that little bit more um, sort of life experience and, yeah. and settled settled kind of head seemed to to show through. Um, pretty much uh, by that, what I think I was picked up around there was to be a, a pretty much a defensive defensive middle and and yardsman. Um, not so much of the attacking flair. There was plenty of others yeah. in and around there to do that. So, I think you did your job ad- adequately. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I must have because that's probably all I'm seen as for, for most of the rest of my career too. Yeah, so yeah. don't get too many other options to, to change the game. Yeah. But yeah, no, very happy with that. And, and I think that's probably one of the key key parts is defensively. Mm. Um, you know, we always sort of used to joke a little bit around playing the counties. Their, their mentality was probably maybe just a little bit more, we'll just get one more try than, than any other team. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I guess the Canterbury's and our ones were, were more around, we've got to stop, you know, we'll score some tries, but we've got to stop the tries. So the yeah. def- defensive side of the game for me was pretty huge. D's pretty big though, right? Like as in defence is quite important. That's been a recurring theme actually with some of the more successful touch players we've had on the podcast is that defence is everything. Like yeah. there's some superstars at, at attack and, 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 you know, having their moments, but defence wins games, right? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. I think everyone's got the talent to to get the ball over the line. Um, not everyone's got the talent to be able to to defend that line and and adjust when the attacking team makes adjustments and things like that. So yeah. So for the young sort of eighteen, nineteen year old that's just been called into the New Zealand Open mixed, um, you know, training squad, and they've and they've had the phone call and they are keen to impress what. As, as a bit of a as a bit of an OG, what advice would you give them uh, to take into camp? Um, keep a really open mind. Talk to everybody you can. Mm. Ask as many questions as you can. Um, and you know, I've seen it before. There's lots of shy shy kids out there growing up, but you really have to break out of that zone and and question and and ask and talk to the coaches. Um, and the great thing I think now we're starting to see so much more touch, you know, either live streamed or yeah. um, online that, that you can look and access. Um, and it's only getting better and better. There wasn't wasn't too much of that around yeah. back in as I was coming through that. So, but I mean, it's saying there though it wouldn't have been too drastically different. Eh? Like early two thousands is when your come up was. So it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like you're not on MySpace at that era, are you? Like Facebook is still a thing. Isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if I was on... Well, social no, media exists? No, nah, no. Nah. Nah. So there was nah. no YouTube clips or anything. How are you doing a bit of Ricky on your opponent? Um, videos? Yeah, lots of VHS, yeah, VHS Rewind, fast forward. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, not too much of the, the new tech um, around that time. So a lot of a lot of time on the field, yeah. you know, training um, with the guys just... And actually with the likes of... Um, you know, I go back to them, Steve Toki, uh, Stevie Wall, who was a big part of my time going through the mixed, yeah. um, talking to them, and, and it was framing in my head what they're talking about attack, what they're talking about this move and that move, and let's run this one and that one. I'm yeah. like, well, all I'm pretty much going to do is, is drive for you. Yeah. So my my thing was to flip that, okay, if he's coming at me, how do I defend that, and what does that need to do for my other middle and, and links and things outside mm. me? So, yeah, a lot of a lot of practical time spent around that so your your camp goes well you obviously make the team it's your first opportunity in in 210 trust stadium anthem singular presentation what's the moment the first whistle when is it that you go yo this is happening get a bit emotional yeah i actually did um finally i'm am fairly emotional um, try and hide it a fair bit, but yeah. um, 2010 I actually was lucky enough to my wife had come up as well. We just see your wife uh, at this point. Yep, yep, yep. Um, wife, and we just had our our first baby, my daughter. Um, 
Oh, so you were just months a, before that. You're clucky already. Oh, yeah. Yes, and so yeah. national anthem, which I'd been looking, you know, waiting some time to do that. Yeah. Um, jersey presentation before that was pretty emotional too. Yeah. Um, but skipping through to that national anthem and then looking up, finding them in the crowd. Yep. Stop it! You're getting me all teary oh, now. No, I can oh. see it pretty clearly. So <laughs> I've got bung eyes. Um, that's cool though. Like, um, it's such a, and I say this quite often. Like, it, it, touch hasn't been around in New Zealand that long, like, or, or in general, right? And mm. so to wear the black singlet, to hear the anthem, to hear the the the, the friggin' hooter and run out there and actually play for New Zealand as a touch black, that is such a. Both a, a real proud privilege, but what a responsibility, right? To to do that, and I guess you know when you when you're in a position fortunate that you can look up and see Mumsy and your daughter. Um, yeah, no, I'd probably cry too mm. if I saw you. If I saw you doing that, yeah. What was the first game like for you? Do you remember it? Um, not too much, actually. It went yeah. yeah, it went super fast, which you know you hear a lot of people talking around. Um, but yeah, little little moments. Mm. I remember there. Um, managed to managed to dot one down um, in the game as well, so yeah. that was pretty exciting. Try um, on debut, try on debut. Um, probably don't go back to the um, <laughs> third match official because it yeah. might have come out of the hand just before the before the goal line. But you win some, look you up and smile at the referee, it. and they yeah. managed to manage to give it. So yeah. Um, yeah, and but dude, yeah, we went went down in that one. I think by one. Mm. Um, so. I was hungry for why I knew we were we were pretty damn close. Yeah. Um, and I think the part around we were talking around the, the history and stuff of the game is something I've only learned once I got into that environment that really triggered me to go, well, because I didn't grow up, you know, knowing yeah. all these big names and, and who had gone before me and that kind of stuff. And I know others um, have talked about it on the podcast as well. So it was, for me, it was a big learning stage to mm. learn who are these people that are talking about. I mean, now that I've kind of been around a while a lot of people kind of view me as well you must have just gone through that phase so you know all these people and yeah. I'm still going I don't know who you're talking about yeah yeah and I'm I with feel you bad but you story know. of my life bro like yeah secret language learner for me like it's sort of um yeah I, I've I absolutely feel yeah because of the posse you're in now and I guess likewise with myself People assume that there's uh, this whole encyclopedia on my head of t- no nah, man. I learned from every podcast. I learned from every conversation, and I'd, I'd suggest that. Um, did you ever get that sort of, um, you know, that I don't deserve to be here mentality because of the fact that you didn't know the the heritage of the situation, imposter syndrome? Um, per yeah, se? yeah, yeah. I did did battle with that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah my again maybe that little bit more life experience I was able to generally push that aside a bit, but it, it kept coming and going. You know, coming um, very grateful to get the opportunity to go to um, World Cup. Yeah, um, with the Touch Blacks, and so leading into that one, you know, mm. am I do I deserve this? Have I done that? Yeah. And and just reiterating that, um, and I did do a lot of work sort of mental skills around positive self-talk and yeah, that's imagery and vis- visualisation and things. So, yeah. But that positive self-talk part is probably far, far more important than yeah. visualisation of the game that you see. To Still hold to on to many of the, the lessons you learned in that uh, sort of process today? Oh, yeah, every yeah. day I use it all the time and try and, and pass that on to, to others around me that, that um, 
want to sit and listen for a bit of that knowledge. Are you an affirmations type of guy? Or are you um, a note to self? Uh, ref- do you keep a journal? Like what, what are some yeah, of the things yeah. that you so do? Yeah, I've been journaling um, recently, um, probably more so. Before that, it was more directed around the, in the later stages, probably around the games itself. So visualising what I was going to do, what it was going to look like, mm. how I was going to go through that. Um, the early stages was probably more self-talk to get me through those early parts and going, man, you're a you're an old fella, why are you? Yeah, yeah. You know, Phoenix Hunapo in the open mix, he's 16, and you've actually just played with his dad in the yeah. men's 30s New Zealand team, and yeah. and you're playing with him, you know, the next uh, the next season. Yeah. Um, so a lot of a little more a transition through to other from self-talk through into that imagery and visualization. Yeah. What was the best piece of advice that you received? Like, which was this Coffs Harbour World Cup you're talking about now, or what was the uh, no Edinburgh 2011? Oh, yeah, Scotland. Nice. Um, that's a vibe, right? That was awesome. Everyone yeah. that I've spoken to that attended that says like almost highlight of their life material. Yeah, um, and that was you know a lot of my ancestry was from around there, so, so you I got spent some, a bit of time. Some Scottish heritage. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so a lot. Um, from Robertson and Campbell clan who uh, yeah. clashed, I found out over there, and and Robertson's pretty much just took over the yeah. the Campbells. So there's a little bit of infighting there, but that's with uh, I, I think every family got right? a bit of Maori in you too. Then sounds, yeah, yeah must sounds be. really relevant. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was cool. It was pretty special again to mm-hmm. to represent on the world stage um, in in back in the land where my ancestors and things had, had fought and and gone through their life stages in. Yeah. So yeah, it was special. So tell me, tell me about advice that you received along the way. Um, you know, pre World Cup, I guess, in that lead up, and, and then the first opportunity to get to run out as a as a New Zealand representative at a World Cup. What advice are you getting? Um, focus on what you do really, really well. Mm. Um, don't try and be someone that you're not, yeah. just because you go on to the the big stage or um, anything like that. So. Um, and that was the, the cool thing about that is that we were that that team that I was with. It actually was irrelevant what what age everyone was. We were we were able to have those conversations with each other quite openly around just the unit, eh? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so that was that was cool. But yeah, just the messages from those that had been been to World Cups before, chatted to a few people, um, talked around that, and from other sports as well. Which yeah. I was lucky enough to know a few people that have been. Right at the top end in other sports, mm. um, so just getting their insights and going, you know, how do you manage this? Um, but also to really enjoy it because you know some of those other countries that you'll play are there for the first time. Yeah, uh, it's an opportunity that you may never get before as well. So just really soak soak up the atmosphere, which can be hard to do because mm. you just kind of focus on the jobs at hand. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was that one, and then knuckle down for when you're playing the. Get to play the Aussies on the big stage. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, I, I want to know from a New Zealander, like, obviously the fi- uh, touch wood, the final was almost always going to be New Zealand-Australia. But how much pressure do you feel to, like, not stuff that up? Because it's so easy to stuff that up. You lose the wrong few games and then all of a sudden it's not happening and you get a Australia... England final or whatever, like a uh, bit of pressure there because you, you sort of the pool play is really important because you almost assume you're going to win, but you can't be too overconfident. And then, of course, you're still back of mind. I got the e moves coming up. Mm. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I'd, I'd talked with a lot of people around 
leading into it, um, which we I think we did really well, was you know sticking to the process at hand. So yeah. it wasn't about who you were going onto the field up against. It was focusing on what we needed to do and that going through that process, it was actually irrelevant who the six people were on the field against us. Yeah. Um, so it was going through that process over and over again. Okay, if we happen to be successful in those areas, let's change it up a little bit mm. um, and and work through that. So you were looking to looking to focus around that rather than outcomes or worrying about which team you're coming up against, which I think we did well. What's the peak and trough of that then for you, that first World Cup? Because you've obviously done a couple of so what was the, the highlight and probably the biggest challenge of that World Cup for you? Um, oh, good question. Highlight, probably looking back at it, um, performing the haka to the Scotland team. Yeah. Um, probably extra special for you, right? Because it's that's home versus home. Yeah, yeah. So that's that was definitely... Um, one of the highlights in in that part. Um, trough, obviously, um, and I was actually just talking about it, I was commentating with Kimmo um, on the weekend, who was part of uh, part of our team, um, and you're being up 3-0 against the Aussies um, in the first three minutes, I think, pretty much of that game. Yeah. And then, yeah, just losing our way, going away from that process and coming up short, they got over top of us. Mm. So that was... Uh, a pretty dark time in the in the tent yeah. afterwards or around that tent when um probably felt like half or oh, probably felt like the whole crowd was trying to come around and swap gears and things with you. <laughs> you were not really in the mood or yeah. As I said, sort of a an emotional, fairly emotional guy. I couldn't hide it then. I yeah. put so much into that. Yeah. Um so I was not in any space to, to talk or see anyone at that swap time. And uh yeah, managed to I think at the end of it, when I kind of came out of of that uh, little funk, because there was all this um, other other World Cup teams clothing and stuff around my feet, and I'd yeah. just given pretty much whatever away. I don't know. I ended up with, I think, a whole set of Singapore gear from <laughs> tracksuits and jackets to yeah. to playing gear, and everyone wants a touch flex thing, like right? Yeah, yeah. It seemed to be. I found that out pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, where's the silver medal? Um, sitting alongside another one, yeah, which is just below the the pinnacle one that yeah. I managed to get recently. Yeah, and that, is that just at home? Uh, you put yep. them, you put the, put them where people can see them, or are you more of a away in the um, pool room kind of thing? Silver medals ones were away. Yeah, yeah, they were away, and then uh, now that I've managed to uh, be successful at the at the recent one, they're, one they're out, out and they're yeah. with. Um, with my with that singlet as well, so it's it's framed up with those. So it reminds me that you know everything doesn't come easy. You've mm. got to work at this and and stick to it if you really want to come up with the goods. How long did the whole high hangover last from from each of those campaigns for you? How how long does it hurt for? Um, still hurt now when you think about. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. It still hurts. Um, Twenty eleven was um, probably a big hurt. I'd I'd. Managed to come up off the back end of that, which I didn't realise at the time, but in that final injured um, my foot pretty badly. Yep. Um, so needed to step out and um, have some surgery in, on that, um, which put me out of the next Trans-Tasman. Mm. 
Um, and that was you know, a bit of a bit of lemon in the eye after that. Yeah, so I really want to get back and and have a crack at at those Aussies. Um, and that's uh, so after that, then um, the comeback from that was pretty pretty tough, and wasn't um, decided that yeah I wasn't going to be able to make it back into into open mix time, and and they were preparing as you do for the next cycle. Yeah, into there. So um, that was that was pretty hurting to know that I wasn't going to get another crack at that. In that environment at that mm, time, mm. Um, but then uh, picked up pretty quickly into the senior mix team, which yeah. um, found had uh, was the most successful New Zealand team yeah. ever. Yeah, um, and just Not came around comeback. these man yeah. came around some absolute legends of the game, and uh, yeah, went into twenty thirteen uh, Super Trans Tasman mm. senior mix team. Um, awesome bunch of people again. That environment almost just lifted again. Mm. Um, maybe it's because they were, we were sort of starting to get to the same ages, so there wasn't the big age <laughs> differences. You have to buy heavy um, stuff around the kids. Yeah, 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 you could kind of just relax and. Um, but yeah, awesome, awesome group in that one into 2013, which was um, again at Waitakere mm. Trust, um, and managed to whitewash the Aussies. 3 0 in that Smashed one, um, alongside you know, and other teams did the same in that. So that was a, that was a huge highlight to lift the, the yeah. sort of gloom and doom from back in 2011. Was that the first opportunity you've had to smile in sports since, since that whole tough period for you? Was, that? was Super Trans? Um, yeah, pretty. It was in that, um, in that touch circles. Mm. Um, it led into. Into that 2011 World Cup pretty well. We'd won with Canterbury Open mixed. We'd got a good crew together. 2010, we managed to take out the national title, which was yeah. the the first title that Canterbury Open mixed team had ever won. 2011, we'd committed pretty much as a whole crew to come back. It was going to be in Christchurch. Yeah. Then uh, grounds got a little shaky, and yeah. that they kind of put paid to that. Yeah. Um, so that was leading to 2011, that was looking good, and then, yeah, a bit of a down period, um, and then picked up relatively quickly in 2013 um, with an awesome bunch of people. Um, Hikapene is the coach, um, and he created just another culture that, yeah, I won't forget that one, that was yeah. that was real special um, through that time, which, which led us through to uh, 2015, um, World Cup with that's that. uh, Coffs Harbour, right? Coffs Harbour, yeah. Mm. What? Who are some of the players that stand out for you when you think of your time in Black, or just actually in time in touch? Who are some of the players that instantly come to mind when you think, you know, if I had a, a Grant Robinson, uh, Mount Rushmore players I've played with, who are the four faces on there? Um, I think definitely Steve Toki has has been a big, big influence around my game, and and uh, he's. He's, um, it's not just about the game, he's a hell of a competitor, but he's also about the people around him and that, and mm. that's probably that mixed environment. Um, Stevie Wall, big uh, big influence again, um, and probably didn't know um, the depth of that until you know, I really got to spend some time and, and roomed with him um, to find out where all that... Um, legendary kind of status came from and, yeah. and you know the influence that he has around the game right through um, and probably just for pure ability which I think was kind of unknown at the time um, 
would have been Phoenix um, Hanapo at mm. 2011 World Cup. I think he was 16. He might have just turned 16 when we arrived yeah. over there. And I've just seen some of the tore, touch tore stuff everybody to shreds. What happened, Phoenix? Sort it out, bro. <laughs> he's, on, he's on his way back, I think. Yeah. I think. I saw him at Māori's. Yeah. Come on, my mate. Get um, out of the gym, get back on the field, right? Jim or Jail? What did you say? Jim. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you got one more? Who's on there? Um, I think um, I would have to go for probably one of the hardest, most driven competitors um, from within the mixed game in that twenty f- in that senior mixed crew was um, Lovey Woodhouse. Mm. Probably because I'm too scared to get a whack as well, so I'd better name name her. Hey, Lovey. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was she was awesome, and and now we we kind of reflect on things. Um, caught up with her the other weekend, and. Uh, yeah, always good talks about that and, and how everyone thought that she was, you know, always sort of joking a bit with the Aussies when she was hard-nosed and, and yeah. tried to crush their hands, I think, shaking their hands <laughs> afterwards and stuff. But it was, that was the true girl. That's no. that's what she's all about. So, yeah, I'd put her put her in and around that too. Nice. Uh, what does the coaching pathway look like for you? Uh, what, what are you thinking around that, if at all? I guess has, has your new role changed that? Potential pathway for you with TNZ now? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see probably in the in the direct near future. Yeah, um, spent a lot of time actually with Canterbury Open Mix, the, the latter part of that as a player coach. Um, done a little bit of age group coaching. Um, potentially later on, I think I will will look to get back. If I I think I've got you know a good. Um, sort of brain and strategy that I'd like to like to give the opportunity to give back in. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I wouldn't say never, but probably not yeah. right now. What is um? I guess uh, for you when you when you reflect on your time in touch, even if it's only been a shorter amount than than most, uh, what are some of the standout moments for our game? You don't necessarily have to have been involved, but what are some of the the really key pillars along the way uh, that you've seen happen and gone? You know what game changer for our sport? It's a biggie. Um, I think at the moment the. It's those those moments um, when you see a team crack it for whatever reason. That's kind of those first. So when you see, you know, the um, twenty thirteen series, I think across the board there was there was so many highlights with that with Touch Blacks um, teams being successful, um, and it's just that you almost see a kind of a relief. That um, finally cracked it, and then that turns probably from relief to belief that yeah, and we can do this. Like you know, we're not that far away, and I've seen that gap get closer and closer over time to now, where I think we're right there. Um, and it's credit to probably the players getting themselves in better physical conditioning and and yeah. taking care of that. And and we always are going to be challenged with the winter summer part, but. Um, it's acknowledging that and then going, well, don't use that as an excuse. Mm. Let's ensure we do the right things and, and balance. And for, for the other side of that, it's probably why it makes us a little bit better in other ways. Yeah. Um, so I think those those things that, you know, people do so much work and so much is put behind the scenes, that little bit of um, jubilation for, for those outcomes, yeah. um, which are due to following the, the processes. And I think that's been a change or a more evident focus from from coaches and things to look at. Actually, it's process. We can't look at the outcome 
um, and changing that mindset um, for those areas, I think, is probably probably the key ones. Uh, what do you what do you think is the greatest challenge our sport still faces today? Is it is it finance? Is is it uh, is it accessibility to the sport? Is it awareness of the brand? What is it? Um, I think our awareness is pretty high. I think um, we're going to see more and more accessibility to our sport um, within within regions, but also. Um, you know, digitally through streaming, um, mm. which is going to grow, grow that. Um, yeah, the 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 money situation is always going to be a is always a challenge between do we get our best players or do we get our our players that are able to fund themselves yeah. and and work through that. Um, the positive probably spin to put on that is that when you know that you're going to pay up that money, you're going to do everything you can yeah. to to be in the best position you can be when you do go into those teams. So um, for me, it's never been, oh, man, we've got to pay this much. It's, mm. If I'm paying that much, I'm going to tick Justify every single box check. and do right. every single thing. I mean, I remember talking to um, Tris, and I'm sure he won't mind me, sort of talking this one. We were talking one day, and when he'd – finally decided he was going to, to step away um, from playing. And uh, he's like, man, I would have had, and I've heard it before, you know, man, I'd have a good deposit on the house for the for the years and, yeah. and the money that I've sort of put into that. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't give it back for anything really either. Yeah. It's it's um, it's an interesting one, eh, because, you know, we, we know a lot of the same people. And that yarn does come out like, oh, how much money we've spent or blah, 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 and compare it with other codes or whatever. But... Think of the stories we've now got, right? And think of the the, the memories that you you've created. I guess the the relationships that we've we've got now. And I think um, just like anything, uh, you could spend your money on anything. But what 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 enriches your life better than I guess the sport has mine, and and I'd go as far to say as yours as well. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's it's you know the the sort of adage of. Um, you know, it's the hand that gets the hand gets put up, not the hand gets put out to see what's going to be put mm. into it. Um, which is unfortunately, we I've seen a lot of youngsters of late sort of now starting to put the hand out and go, well, what, what's in it for me first? Yeah. Um, rather than yeah, I'm I'm it's there. It's Gen Y thing. I don't know if it's Gen Y. It's Gen now, right? Like they they. What do you mean? There's no prize money. I'm not playing, or or what, I don't know whatever it is. Mm. But you know, it's it's um. Yeah, I mean, I'm a realist too. The cost of life is is not cheap, but um, yeah, it's interesting. You can see those day ones, the people that that have been around the block a couple of times, and they understand the realities of life equally. They understand the merit in some of these things that are happening, and then those that are like, oh no, nah. um, no, I'm not, no, I'm not going to play for free, or I'm not going to pay to be a part of that, or whatever. And it's it's always quite interesting for me. Um, from a from an admin perspective for you though, so you, how long were you the CE? What was it? Uh, GM of GM. Touch Canterbury. Yeah, GM Touch Canterbury. So I'd, I'd moved in to that role. So I spent two two years. Yeah, in that role. Poison Chalice. Like, what's the what's the scenario? So um, GM's role entail like tough gig, eh? Um, yeah, it was tough gig. Um, there was. Going into that at that particular time for me, there was some real challenges involved um, with things that had gone on in the past. 
so that was um, challenging to keep keep moving forward, but actually kind of just settle the settle the ship right or right the ship effectively, and then and then set the new direction to to move forward. in. so was that always a a, a, a temporary gig for you? Get in there, tidy the books, and then get out, or bit um, of a premature ending? Yeah, probably a little premature. I, yeah. It wasn't going to be the long term. Yeah, um, there was there was certain parts of that that. I really relished the challenge when I knew what I was going into mm. um, to, to strengthen my, um, I guess, future future opportunities. Yeah. Um, but it was great. There's a there's a lot of learnings. There was a lot of um, understanding of the the game and and the people in and around the game. And that to me was probably mm. the one of the biggest parts taking away is is if you if those good people are surrounding you, then make sure you. Keep them engaged and look after them and and bring them along on that journey. Yeah, I mean aesthetically it looked great. You know, we don't know. I don't know the intricacies of what happened on the on the ground level, but from from up here looking down and sort of perusing of the the online presence and what was going on, it looked like um, it looked like things were going really well. Uh, what's the the grassroots sort of situation down like uh, like down in, in, in the South Island? Is it? Is there potential for growth? Is it plateaued? Or is it is it humming? What's the go down there? Um, it's really good in the in the junior space. Yeah. Um, so there's um, thou there's nine, ten, ten, eleven thousand juniors playing in Christchurch and Canterbury region. It's not bad, um, eh? So yeah, yeah, we're we're right up. There. I think we're Are those official up top numbers. Around counties. Yep. Yep. Um, so we're right around there. I think with. Um, when I looked at them previously, I think it was sort of us and counties were around the, hitting the marks of the the big numbers, mm. um, and you know we had so the model that was was run down there was that basically independents were were running the modules um, and supported with Touch Canary. I think we probably ran two or three at any one time, but we're generally also looking to try and find good people in the community to take them over if it's yep. a school as a PTA fundraiser or um, community-based groups to do that. So at any one time, I think there was, with juniors and adults combined, I think there was 30, about 32 modules mm. running down in Canterbury. So That's amazing. Yeah. Heaps, heaps of not really that big either, eh? Like, like in terms of, like, geographically speaking, it's not the, mm. it's not the biggest, um, even population-wise, but also just in general. I mean, there's only so... You have to be innovative around how you present that. Otherwise, it's you know we've seen we've seen the the the, the plateau of, of touch in Auckland and how it just hasn't grown in a while. Mm. Uh, you'd be fearful of that happening down there, right? Yeah, there's always going to be challenges. Different sports come along, um, but I think one of the key parts around the sport and the modules down there is is during the week gameplay. Modules are on. It keeps weekends free for kids to do other sports yeah. or other things. There's not as many tournaments and things that go on um, in the Canterbury region, um, which is certainly more prevalent mm. up north. Mm. Um, so it is truly for those grassroots. It's yeah. playing the game during the week after school and work, um, and that's that seems to fit the model really, really well for what we're hearing from the participants in that. Uh, the the Touch New Zealand job that you've got at the moment. Um, uh, 
early days, so I'm not even going to bother asking you how it's going. But what is there? A, do you have a, a, a sort of a vision board and with one thing on that you're really keen to achieve? Is there one something that maybe uh, your predecessor said, "Hey, I'd started this. I'm keen for you to continue." Was there what's on the to do list for you? Um, the role that I went into was slightly different to um, to my predecessor, so yeah. there was more clearer focus on what I was coming into. Um, and probably the big one that I talk about to most, um, and I guess the one that I'm sitting up the top, which I hope you know we'll be able to look back at someday proudly, is is uh, reconnecting or connecting with each of the provinces. Um, so the 19 provinces that run throughout the country, um, and being more outward facing mm. um, to the community and to those provinces, and and really working so that we're actually shoulder to shoulder. Um, as we move along, so the way we look at our decision making, the way we look at supporting provinces, which then influence down into the modules and the tournaments mm. and things that happen, um, and go about it in a collaborative model. Um, once we understand the uniqueness of each of those provinces and, mm. and what happens and how the game is um, flows within those areas. Yeah, well, there's some good people in our sport, eh? Like, I just it's probably the one thing that keeps me sort of coming back is is that there's some really cool people and, and I almost envy you because now you have a licence to actually go in and spend time with, with these people up and down the country and, and, and get to know what makes the game grow or at least try and understand what, and how we can support that from a TNZ level, right? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. exciting times. Absolutely. And when you look at it from, you know, the majority, to be fair, are all volunteers within this Framework within their provinces mm. doing the hard mahi in and well, around. Worse, they're investors because it costs them. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Volunteers right. just do it for nothing. People that invest, they got equity, sweat yep. equity. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so that you know, to us, we must always acknowledge that and understand that that you know, many are probably pouring in more hours voluntarily into our game than their than their nine to five, you know, work job and things. So preach it how we can actually make that better and yeah. more effective and efficient um, to, mm. to grow our game as a shared vision, you know, of becoming yeah. the, the biggest participation sport. Uh, think of the three people that have helped you get to where you are now on the game of touch. Who are they? And say thanks. Go. Uh, thanks to uh, Hikapene. Um, been really strong ever since I connected with him um, through my time. We still connect basically every, every week or every other week. Um, so really strong um, from there. Thank you to him, and I guess Lapa on the side of that because she's mm. innately connected to him as well, even on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know they can't break away, can they? Yeah. Um, uh, thank you to Stevie Wall for everything that he's uh, given to me and shared to me through that time, and and always always has time uh, for me, even you know now. Um, whenever we connect together, it's just like uh, brothers, pretty much mm. at any stage. And Pick any up time. where you left off. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Um, they say good friends are those who can go a whole year without talking and then just pick up the yarn. Yeah. 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 So definitely feels like that. Um, and I think uh, my other brother, Steve Toki, um, who uh, just connect, reconnected with it up here, he was coaching uh, Tauranga girls. His, mm. uh, his daughter's in the Tauranga team, um, so he was here at secondary school, so connected back with him, and uh, yeah, he was basically the guy that put me onto, onto this pathway, so I can't thank him 
uh, enough and all his family that have been around that whole time uh, who see me pretty much as their their uncle now as well. Mm. So, mm. yeah, thank you definitely to those three. That's cool. If you could, if you could get a magic wand out, G, and just make something happen for our sport, what would it be? You could do anything. I'm a genie. Rub my belly. What is the thing you're doing for for touch football in New Zealand? Quick one is probably make it summer 12 months of the year so we can play all the time. <laughs> yeah. Play it every day, all the time. Um, that's, the, that's the first one off the head because I would, I would yeah. do that too. Um, and as you slow down, you kind of miss those ones. I can remember every day trying to mm. find a module and play in that. It's a little bit harder nowadays, but yeah. Um, never say never. <laughs> is that your thing? That's the first one. Um no, you, we we can't we can't rig the weather for you. Yeah, no. You said magic wand. Yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> Harry Potter, um, magic wand for it. To be honest, uh, probably the way that I'm looking at things right now, it's it's that accessibility part that you talked about is is being able to offer our sport to every single person out there in our community for free. Yep. Mm. So everyone's got that opportunity, regardless of where they are, who they are, at what time in their life they are. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be cool. Yep. Um, okay, close your eyes. I'm going to say something, and you just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. He is closing his eyes, everybody. I didn't think he would. Okay, you ready? Eyes are closed? Yeah. Touch football. What comes to mind? Uh, family and friendships. That's cool. That's a nice answer. Can I would I open have said my eyes like now? The, yeah, you can. Sorry. Cheers. So I put my clothes back on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, it's been a cool yarn, bro. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it too. It was, yeah. uh, was, was not, right? as, not as nerve-wracking as I thought. So. <sighs> no, I've changed my ways. I, I, I'm a bit more placid now, actually. I'm, I'm all good. Uh, I'm curious. What do you think of the two-minute music? Be Mate, honest. I'm, yeah. Are you, would you like, guy just changed the hooter, didn't even ask anyone, and no one's even said anything. If we just changed the two-minute music, do you think it would be the worst thing in the world? Yes, it would be. You really think it would? Yeah, I'm hooked on that, mate. Once you've played in it like the guys and girls say, it's uh, even at secondary schools, and I wasn't involved in it, man, that two-minute music gets on, I was like, Ready, ready to run. It uh, just hits a hits yeah. a nerve. So we're not changing that one. You're drinking the Kool Aid, mate. I don't know. I don't know what the go is, but it's a lovely note to finish on. Appreciate your time, my friend, and uh, all the best for the new mahi. I know it's not really new, new, but um, you get a whole calendar year next year to make it happen. So all the best for it. Awesome. Thanks, Pat. Really appreciate it, and uh, thanks to everyone that. Um, has helped me along this way, and, and obviously, final shout out to uh, my wife and my lovely I was kids. Say, uh, she, she, they didn't get as the, the, as you, the other was thing. Was that you, what you were going to um, do? Okay. And a good thing, she's not a touchy at all, so she won't ever listen to this podcast. Probably not, no. But uh, yeah, I'll thank her anyway. That's cool, bro. Well, all the best for next year. Have a Merry Christmas and get yourself a Recover Pro and use Touch Project as the discount code. I like <laughs> it. All right. Cheers, Pat. 